This week's episode of Get Offset is sponsored by Oralex Acoustics, the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. You know, we don't always give our room the credit or the blame for our tone, but the truth is, it might not be your gear. The problem might be the room. From your home studio to your office, your gear always sounds better in an acoustically treated room. And these aren't knockoffs, and it's not just some mattress foam you paste on your wall. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products and provides the free knowledge and support you need to properly treat your room. Use the code GETOFFSET, all caps case instead of one word, at oralex.com for 10% off your entire order, plus free shipping over $200. That's GETOFFSET at oralex.com. Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. My name is Andrew. My name is Jessica. And my name is Peter. And Jessica and Peter, where might people know you from? We play in a band called Deep Sea Diver. Uh, you used to be the touring drummer for a band called Roy. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Roy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 20 years ago. That's my to fame. <laughs> Fueled by Ramen Band. Ever heard of them? No, I have. Yeah, wait. <laughs> isn't there a band called Fueled by Ramen? Uh, isn't it a label? It's a label. Oh, it's a label. That's though. what I'm thinking. Nice. That's like a pop really punk familiar. label that Roy found themselves on. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Enough about Roy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame about Roy. You're a shameful band. <laughs> but I like pop punk. Me too. Hmm. Well, that makes two of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was never never super duper my jam. Yeah, well, I, I feel more like for it. me. I mean, I don't feel like it's pie, but sure, more for you. Uh well, there's pepperoni pizza. There's only so many slices for the pop punk fans to go around. Two pieces. No. And we've eaten them. Okay. I feel like we're getting farther away from it. Mm. Uh, so we had a couple false starts. I clapped. I scared the cat out of the room. <laughs> I have not clapped. Do you have cats in your room, Andrew? Uh, I do, and I think one of them was about to use the litter box. So uh, thoughts and prayers, if you will. Yes. Get that um, can of for air for breeze or whatever ready. Yep. We have a small dog snoring in the room adjacent to us, dreaming of treats. Dreaming of treats and sunny days, yeah. rabbits. He actually Dream hates it. the sun, so he's kind of living his best life oh, right now. Yes, your dog and I have that in common. Yeah, we're always here, so he loves that, and the rain is back, and so he's he's doing it. <laughs> living the life. Yep. Living the dream. Oh, yeah. it's It's been forever since it's rained. I know. I forgot it did here. It was, what's bizarre is like since the pandemic pandemic has started, um, the weather has been pretty nice and it's deceptive because, you know, obviously everybody wants to go outside, but, and it seems like it would be safe, like as if sun equals safety, but it's not. <laughs> somebody just, somebody described it well as being kind of David Lynchian, like almost like blue velvet where you have these like very picturesque, beautiful scenes, mm, but it's ominous, but there's like an ominousness about it. It's ominous. It's ominous. I don't think that's the word. Is that a thing? No, it is now. Ominosity? Omniscience? is something a little different. Very different. Yeah. Uh, Godly. I'm having a hard time reminding the definition, <laughs> which means I'm probably not omniscient. 
<laughs> that means you're everywhere, correct? Um, no, all knowing. Oh, all knowing. Okay. All knowing. Yeah. Now. Hmm. Yeah. This. Uh. I don't remember much about the movie Blue Velvet except for Dennis Hopper being terrifying. Oh, so oh, yeah. that's my favorite role of his. Oh. Oh yeah. Totally. But it's like. And also the PBR thing. Yeah, mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> I remember watching that with a friend at the the Frist in Nashville. They would do uh, free movie nights for the community, and they were doing all of like they did um, Blue Velvet and the Virgin Suicides right. and Drugstore Cowboy one summer. So it was a very heavy summer of, yeah. of movies at the Frist. So I went with my friend Matt, and during the PBR stuff, we're looking at each other like, "What is this?" It's so crazy. <laughs> It's like the weirdest oh. movie of all time. No, it's not the weirdest one. There's weirder Lynch, but yeah, I guess he raised <laughs> Oh yeah, Eraserhead. I have not gotten through Eraserhead. It's so weird. It's definitely a commitment. It's so bizarre, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. Is it long? I forget. It is. It's longer than I. I, I just watched it recently, and it was longer than I remembered. Yeah. I just had my my husband and I just watched Magnolia and he'd never seen it before and I was like, Oh yeah, this is three hours long. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. But now's the time totally. to watch it. That's true. Now we have time. I think I pick all those old old movies. I had a group of, of, of women who I was I vaguely know and they were doing this um like movies in isolation thing. I was like, Oh, maybe we'll just watch something like late something upbeat it's like and then we'll like talk about it and they wanted to pick all of these like historical films so i was like i need to mute this chat because it's stressing me out yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah now's not i, I don't really want to watch dr shivago right yeah. Now. yeah yeah give me encino man or give me death <laughs> oh yeah um so um yeah andrew what's new with you bud well, uh, it's been a relatively sunny week, which means I got to get some yard work done, which I know is super boring. But uh, the the flip side of that is I've been super uh, kind of held down low by all of this last few weeks and just trying to break out of that rut and getting some good physical outdoors and sunshine. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty solid week. And then it capped it all off with a nice fire pit last night. I think I accidentally burned the handle off of my grill since that's what i was using for the fire pit but oh well <laughs> it happens it was gotta be scrappy fire. in these times that's where are you where are you gonna buy another fire pit, make an you know? omelet you gotta break some eggs hey i like that philosophy i can live with that yeah yes it doesn't work in this scenario because nothing constructive happened except the burning of a handle but well the burning of wood i would say that's constructive or deconstructive yeah. depends on how yeah. you look at that there's some sort of like overarching metaphor here that we're all like missing and we're all going to f- feel like, oh man, I should have, but I'm missing it right now. It will come. Well, I mean, maybe a fire pit's not productive, but as Fiona Apple once said, I don't believe in the wasting of time, but I don't believe that I'm wasting mine. Mm-hmm. Burn. Great quote. Oh yeah. It could just be the enjoyment of the thing. Yeah. We've actually talked a little bit on the podcast about how you don't have to feel like you're being productive during this uh, very, very surreal kind of time. Yeah. Speaking of being productive, I've been slowly chipping away at my pedal board build, and nice. I made the cutest little patch cable last night. Oh. 
it's a whole one inch long. <laughs> oh, sweet little baby. Because <laughs> I've got uh, the King of Tone is right next to the Mount Hood, like side by side. So the output to the input's literally like an inch and a half if you include the connectors. Mm-hmm. And I gave it a little bit of slack. I love that. So soldered cable or non? Soldered. I, I'm going through a trying to solder my own cables kind of phase. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I've got SP400s for my patch ends, and I've got I don't know what brand the cable is, honestly, but it's this little uh, like seafoam green cable. Yeah. Is it from Covenant? Uh, no, I got it. Uh, my buddy from uh, my buddy Phil at Tasty Cables gave it to me yeah. about a year and a half ago, and I'm just now getting around to using it for something. Nice. Isn't cable talk so interesting for for everyone else? Just like yeah, I got my my silver ends, right angles, and. Uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of wi- copper wire yeah i don't i don't trust the solderless yeah mm, tell me more about how you don't <laughs> like because if, if i if i'm moving the board around a lot you know like during a show like really kicking at it and stuff like it's really like i just just the integrity isn't there yeah now let's get into true bypass oh god <laughs> this this is, yeah, very very geeky talk oh well, I think that's what some people come here for. Sure, I'm out, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm still learning your audience, so just just veer me in the right direction. Well, we are a guitar podcast geared with the goal. I'm sorry, God, let me start over. It's early, y'all. Um, <laughs> we are a guitar podcast that has set out to offset the status quo of gear culture, and I think mm-hmm. maybe yes, super technical talk. Is maybe not the best way to offset the status quo. I we could get into the psychology of it, like how women aren't socialized to care about technical jargon and stuff. But right, I think it's kind of it, it, in the music world. It becomes a little unavoidable at a point. Yep. Yeah, it's actually really enjoyable for me to uh, see people attempt to mansplain to Jessica. And then she'll speak the language more fully so and with more <laughs> substance and understanding. And a lot of people just be kind of shut down and they don't know what to do. Yes. <laughs> that's a good feeling. Yeah. So good. <laughs> uh, that happens a lot with like sound, sound guys at venues where they will just kind of down talk and just sort of be smug. And uh, yeah. I don't have it. That's not, no. Yeah, There's yeah. no room for that in any industry, and, and especially when you're on the road and you're vulnerable to the last person that in the chain that makes you sound the way you're going to sound to everyone else. So, But it doesn't yeah. strike me as you're trying to, like, correct them or get back at them. It's not like a tit-for-tat thing. No. But it's more just like you know that language and you know what you're doing really well and you've been kind of working on your craft and honing it for so many years that without attempting to uh, cut them down to size, you do so, which is very gratifying to see. <laughs> very so, gratifying. so the way that compression works is that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah we, I, sh- I should say that before we were recording, uh, Jessica was uh, EQing out everyone's, well, hers and Peter's vocals. <laughs> and yeah. the compression, like, well, if you need to do this, I'm like, wow, I need to learn that. <laughs> I actually, I, to be honest, I, I bypassed the EQ on the Neve because I was just like, you know what? We have very different voices and I was just, I should probably just do this in post, but, or you guys can do it. But, uh, yeah. that's taking a few dBs of 200 out of my voice and, uh, Skullbins <laughs> is in 7k. 
There I you prefer go. Not to have my, <laughs> prefer not to have my buttery, creamy voice messed with. Yeah, I, I feel you, Peter, because I, I also have the nasally voice. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, we're on the same page. Somewhere in the distance, you hear Mike Tyson going, Excuse me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Mike Tyson. It's, uh, yeah, no. Um, it's, I, I actually, I studied music business in college, and part of that was going to like studio classes, like in actual studios, mm. like RCAB and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that just didn't, didn't land with me at that moment in my life. Mm. I still don't fully understand how, like, patch cables work in a studio now i and i do better now but it's just it's like how do you know what goes where mm. it's just, like input output sends and things like that exact sends and returns yeah yeah it, it gets complicated especially the more patches you have and you know that whole rat gear that and whole patch bay yeah, yeah. no it's bus had like four wheels <laughs> studio humor Sorry. Uh, you got to laugh for me. <laughs> and then there was silence. Oh. That's okay. Uh, Where I affirm jokes by being silent. I don't. Yes. <laughs> Especially dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> From our resident dad. I do what I can to uh, to inject that, that life-giving humor. Yeah. Life-giving. I'm still so glad that you lost that um, pun book or that dad joke. Oh no, I found it. I just have chosen ah. not to not to bring it back. Um oh. there were some really like I once I got to I I started to read through it rather than just like shotgunning it on the uh on the show live. And there's some really sexist stuff in there. Mm. No way. You're kidding. I'm shocked. Yeah, I should <laughs> add that to my next fire pit burn. Yeah. Kindling. It would be great for that, actually. Probably do better than the gasoline I used last night. Singed the back <laughs> of my hand. And your eyebrows, maybe? No, just the, just like just the hairs off the back of uh, the fingers on my right hand. It's like I couldn't find the lighter fluid. I'm like, well, I'll just use just a tad of gasoline from the uh, – because we've got a gas lawnmower. Just use a tad of that, and I lit it with the <laughs> – I lit it and just <laughs> – and I was like, ah, now the back of my hand kind of hurts. And I'm like looking at my two hands and my right hand has no hair on the back of my knuckles. Oh, wow. My left hand totally does. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who at some charcoal barbecue pit, he singed his eyebrows off and it was hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just like you realize how important like, eyebrows are. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, I don't think I've looked in the mirror since I did that. I'm going to have to check now. Oh well, let us keep let us now keep us updated. Nope, I still have so, that broke. Cool, Jessica and Peter, what's new with you all? Well, uh, there's a lot, but uh, it's all restricted. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, no, I mean that in the sense of it's limited and what we can do. Like, there's a lot that's new, but we're kind of doing a lot of waiting to but to to do those things since everyone has to stay home. Um, mm-hmm. but we are, so when this whole thing started, the pandemic, we were like, okay, what can we do like to, what, are, what is in our gifting 
in our wheelhouse to help people during this time and music musically. And we're just like, let's do a live stream and let's do a really, really fun, interesting one where there's different segments. And I don't even know if it was that clear to us. You know, I think we just, we wanted to do something that was us. And so we just kind of like arbitrarily picked a time and a day and just started filming. And I think it kind of, took shape by virtue of things just happened and we figured out what we liked about that. And then we did a little bit more like honed version the next week. And I, th I feel like every week is just kind of like a reaction against like what worked and what didn't work from the time before, not to interrupt you, not to be a, uh, well, you did. a sound guy I'm on out. the road at a every show. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, right. It didn't start. No idea starts like exactly how you want it. And uh, it's definitely spiderwebbed out every week. And, but, but I feel like one of the best ideas that came from this whole live stream was the first week, which was Peter's idea to record a drum beat on the live stream and upload it immediately to the internet and say to all of the people that are watching and our fans, Hey, take this drum beat and make a song with it. If you're bored, if you're afraid, if you need something to do, if you need a creative outlet, um, something to spark, take this beat if this is going to help you and write a song. And it can be a jam or a whole orchestrated song. It can be anything you want it to. Um, and Stay Home Stems collaboration, which we named it the next day, was born out of that first episode. Nice. And that's actually going to be our topic for, for the day. And we'll, we're going to get into that uh, really soon. But first, I think we need to... Uh, Thank our, our sponsor folk people. Sponsors. Sponsors. Our first sponsor comes to us as Tysco. And that was a very dramatic pause on purpose to make you go, what did he just say? I just said Tysco. <laughs> Tysco makes some incredible guitar pedals. And uh, if you haven't checked them out, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Uh, I'm not usually the judgmental type, but right now I'm judging you. Go check it out. Oh I think we've got the the boost in right now, which is one of the most like really neat boosts I've seen in a while. Because usually it's like, oh, it's a boost. This one's like, oh, that's oh, that's a boost, and it's oh, it's got options. So many options. So, uh, Tysco, you might know from uh, the guitars from I think Japan from the sixties, right? recently the people who uh i think it's band labs technology the same people who own mono cases and harmony guitars uh, about last year they started uh releasing uh pedals and i have a couple of those i have their fuzz uh have the demo on that up on youtube as well as their delay uh but andrew's talking about their boost which not only has tones for volume and gain, it has toggles, so you can have it just like the standard 9 volt, or you can bump it up to 24 volts, which gives you uh, more headroom. And then there's some, like, triple, triple options that, you know, Andrew and I talked about last week. And I, it is a little far away from me in the room, so I can't read it, because I was supposed to see an optometrist right before the shutdown of everything happened, and, um... I missed that appointment and I regret it right now because I can't see anything. <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? The thumb isn't a finger, so I'm going with two. That's actually pretty dang good. 
Wait, what? what? I was I I had my thumb, my middle, and my index finger up. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need to see the autonomous anymore. The vision is bad. The psychic vision is still quite strong. I'm a little bit psychic. Like when one sense is diminished, others are heightened. <laughs> I dreamt that my sister-in-law was pregnant the day before my brother called me and told me she was, so. Oh, wow. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been terrified of my dreams ever since. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, I know that's not what it is. Cool. So um, let's talk uh, more about the, the stay home stems. We talk, Andrew and I talked a little bit about uh, collaboration during this coronavirus times COVID-19 times um so you say the stay home stems kind of came from just an idea you had was it during the live stream before the live stream because I know the drum beat the first drum beat came from the live stream yeah so uh I sort of had that idea right before the first live stream and it was still kind of in process of whether or not we were going to do it because it was like a little bit more complicated than we were comfortable with we're just recording something in real time and having it sound good enough and, you know, like I could have easily played it really badly. And I, I certainly didn't play it very well, like listening back to it. It's like the timing was a little bit funky. and But there's something almost, I edited it. Yeah, there's something almost like charming about it, though, because it's <laughs> like, I, I think that things, things are just more interesting if they are subject to potentially falling down or failing. And so... Yeah, that happened. And then kind of more of the uh, idea came just because so many people responded in that live stream. We basically said, we're going to make this beat available. If you want, we'll email it to you. And so there was just an overwhelming amount of people that asked us to email them. And it took up so much time. <laughs> yeah, then we got smart. And like the next week, just made a link and posted the link because we didn't think that many people were going to email us. But how many people, how many people emailed you? Do you think uh, like 70 yeah. first week? Whoa. So to like, and so we responded respond to, to everyone, arduous, but it was awesome. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed yours. We've been enjoying yours a lot, Emily. Like I really, like, <laughs> I really like you. There's almost like a Kevin Shields vibe to it. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's really, that is high like, there's like a nice nostalgia and like warmth to all the tracks that you've sent. Thank you. I do. I do aim for warmth. We love the warmth. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. How many how many submissions do you think you've been getting a week of like finished songs? Um. Well, it kind of varies every week. Like the first week was definitely the most popular week. I think that's kind of the nature of when you first start something and everyone gets excited. And I, I, I think maybe people's lives have changed a little bit in their routine since the coronavirus stay home thing started. But uh, on average, like every week, it's been around, what, 40? Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Wow. Some people that's, a ask to, that's a lot to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some people ask to not post them and we we uh, respect them and don't totally. post them because some of them maybe would not be the best to post. And like for <laughs> me, I would say for myself too, like I I was working on one that I didn't get to a place where I was comfortable sharing it. And so I kind of didn't fully play by our own rules. And I just kind of used it to jam with and be creative with, which I guess is. And that's completely valid too. Yeah. That's what we tell people. Yeah. Like, this is not a competition. 
it's uh, purely for your own enjoyment. And if you want to submit, awesome. Yeah, and deadlines can be really good for certain people. And uh, we want to allow that for those that want it. And yeah, for people that don't, who cares? Enjoy it or throw it throw it in the trash. Don't even listen to it. Well, you don't have to throw well, trash. I'm talking about <laughs> digital trash. My 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 stem beat. Trash. Throw it in the digital trash. Yeah. Recycling bin. Yeah. I like how it is called the recycling bin on your desktop and not the garbage. Yeah, yeah very green. <laughs> it's not get it's not getting recycled. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you imagine if somehow everything you put into your recycling then was upcycled into something else? Mm-hmm. Oof to me. Uh, it, it's upcycled into storage space on your hard drive. Truth. True. Until you actually trash it. Is that what you're talking about? No, when you do well, trash it. Mm. Like into your recycle bin, you're upcycling it into, into more space. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Sorry, I'm also turning slowly into a computer nerd. <laughs> it's up- well that is what it does <laughs> i delete things all the time i think i think that's a really great posture to have uh just kind of taking a lot of that pressure off for folks when uh when otherwise they might because a lot of people we've talked about this on the show they're feeling the pressure of i'm never gonna have so much free time in my life i better make the most of this right and it, it's kind of nice to have that the the permission given to be like hey like you can if you want we're not going to judge you for it. We're not going to be harsh about it. Like this is, this is for you. And I, I think that's, mm-hmm. there's something really special about that. Totally. I feel like, a, you know, in a way, <clears throat> I think seeing she shreds do the riff a day thing every year. Yes. I think that probably subconsciously influenced some of that. There's a dead, like deadlines are artists, best friends. And, um, I, it's and writing really is a muscle that you have to stretch. Totally. And it was really fun to see everyone's participation in that series. Yeah. And it's also... No, I had I had a lot of fun. I, I mean, I've done the, the One Rip a Day a few times all the way through, and then sometimes I just kind of stop uh, halfway through. But it's mm-hmm. always, like, I always come out of it with, like, a couple things that I like. Like, I don't like every single day's worth of whatever I did. Like some days I just wasn't feeling super inspired. And some days I come out of it like, Oh wow, that was beautiful. And I'm going to turn that into something at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said about uh, allowing yourself to not be precious about creation. And sometimes it almost lets your guard down and you could create from a more honest place when you're not completely uh, nitpicking every little part of it, thinking, "Oh, if this gets released, then it's gonna showcase me not being the best or something." But just to be like, "I want to release something, even if it's not perfect." And I think art, by the nature of it, is always going to be imperfect and kind of like a little screen capture of a, a of a moment in time when you were in this particular place. Um, and yeah, it, it gives a little glimpse of that. And a lot of times you can look back at something that you did that you thought was um, embarrassing at the time, and it might uh, lead to something else better or showcase some beauty that you didn't recognize in the moment. Yeah, it's like looking at old pictures of yourself when you were like 20 and insecure. And then you look back, and you're like, no, I was I was really cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> or that that song that song was also really cute, and I did a good job. Yeah. Right, there's more value in it than you thought. Yeah, you're able to see yeah. imperfection as uh, something uh endearing endearing or beautiful or like part of a process or part of a journey or something that lead has led you to where you are now and that part of the journey is yeah it has a particular beauty to it yeah but let's talk about deadlines being an artist's best friend because i i agree and like i i i do music i also do freelance writing so i'm like deadlines are the only thing that has me doing things um, but it's not something we really talk about a lot in, in creative endeavors. So I was wondering if you all could talk a little bit more about like how deadlines you think are, how you, how you think deadlines are helpful. Mm. I think at least for me, uh, Peter and I have very different ways of, of writing. I like to mull over things or sit in, uh, soundscapes and see where it leads me or, I'm definitely more of the sluggish one when it comes to writing and it can be my best friend and the worst thing that can happen because oftentimes I'll trash things that I've been working on for a while because I get sick of it and I've been working on it too long and then I overthink it. And Peter is the more impulsive one and he's an idea sparker. And so when the, the when those two things are put together, they're great. But if we try to do things on our own for too long, then not much comes of it and we can write songs on our own, but I think the coolest songs come from us working together. And, um, I think with deadlines, it very much cuts into that, the, the part of my personality that I don't love, which is overthinking and the perfectionism. And so you, yeah, like there, what's that law that you were talking about, Peter, where, uh, if you, whatever amount of time you have to do something, you will get it done. If you know when the end date is, what is it's it? called? It's, it's a funny name for it. Uh, it's Parkinson's law. Or oh. it basically says, <laughs> uh, like you can, you will be equally as productive and get the same result, um, given any timeline, uh, and your brain and yeah, your inner workings will find ways to stretch it out given the the duration of the time. So if you have three days to finish an album, you could do the the same quality and manner of work than if you give yourself three years. Which I actually don't agree with in, Not when fully. it comes to an album or something like that. But I get the general concept of if you had three days versus three weeks to do a song. I'm not saying that you could have the same production value within three days, but I think for the actual just bare bones of the song, obviously you can do it in three days and you can also do it in three weeks, but knowing that deadline is helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's the same with my writing. I mean, if my deadline is a Wednesday versus a Friday and I get the assignment on a Monday, it's, it's going to be the same article. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, if there's time, it's going to be filled with what I have to do. It's like, I'm not going to probably finish it really quickly and then find something else to do. (laughs) Yeah. I I think like, most of us will, uh, whether it's a song or a piece of writing, the general public is going to get the main gist of it and aren't going to pay attention to the little details. And I think those details are the things that we agonize over and they're going to be the things that, uh, create that or, or delve into that three months rather than the three days. And like, and most people won't be able to tell the difference. Like, because they're looking at like the main form and substance of it, not not the minutia. 
Are you telling me people can't tell when you're using one drive pedal over another? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's you know when we're mixing a record and uh, there's like little mix changes, like we will agonize over this little tiny little bell thing that is in the background, and we'll like have the mixer redo the whole mix and like recall everything and. Probably nobody will ever hear that little bell thing, but it's just more for our own uh, to satiate some sort of uh, desire for completion in our mind. This is where we start to uh, veer off on different paths. I disagree. I think a mix is very much responsible for people's emotional reaction if they don't know, even if they don't realize it. Like my mix for Stop Pretending, the song that we released that after that first week of stay home stems it's not a great mix i mixed it in my basement but there's like a at least a vibe to it um but uh yeah i think there are people that are really anal about mixing and nobody will ever know if it's like you just literally tweaked a couple of things that and and barely changed it but there definitely are sonic shifts that will change the way a person listens to a song Totally. But I also think that in no no normal circumstance would we have released that song but it was because of the confines and parameters of the coronavirus quarantining that we actually wanted to put a song out into the world because we wanted to put something uh, meaningful or light or hopeful or beautiful or something out there. And we were able to bypass a lot of the critic inside of us saying this isn't good enough. It's not clear enough. It's not big yeah. enough. It, the sonic quality isn't magnificent enough. But we were able to put something out into the world because we thought it was right for that particular moment and so the deadline that we gave ourselves was really helpful in not over overly criticizing the idea but like the the song in and of itself i think is good and so that translated mm -hmm. i do think that those those little things in the song though that you may maybe don't notice the first time but you notice like the 10th and the 20th and the 30th time you listen to something i think that's what can build a a deeper connection with a song Totally. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, like when I listen oh, to I... like Flaming Lips Soft Bulletin, like every time I'm going to hear something totally different. And yeah. the amount of detail that went into an album like that or like in Rainbows or something. Especially in headphones too. Yeah. Yes, good headphones. Good so headphones good. always. Yeah. I think the, the on the flip side of the whole like having a shorter deadline can really help you uh, make more judicious decisions uh, to help meet that timeline. The flip side of that is Sometimes I almost hate when I've got more time to work on something because I yeah. find myself one, I'm a procrastinator by heart. So I'll save it all for like the last week of the deadline anyways. And in the, in the meantime, I've just got this like anxious cloud hanging over me that leaves me kind of just feeling kind of neurotic by the time I actually get around to starting it. For sure. Right. Like overthinking. For sure. Yep. Oh, uh, overthinking and almost like, like oh, I really should have worked on that and like kind of developing this like fear of the project that takes a lot of the mm -hmm. the organic heart and soul that I would otherwise want in it. Yeah, it becomes it starts looming. That's that's the bad part of the bell curve of anxiety versus productivity. Totally. We got to flatten that curve. Flatten that bell curve. Flat, flatten that anxiety yeah. bell curve. <laughs> totally. No, fear or is just... like the worst thing that can enter into a creative process. That mm -hmm. little cloud. And maybe the most common thing to enter the creative process. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that reminds me of something a professor once, well, actually, he wasn't a professor. It was, oh, God, what was the, Mark Volman from the Turtles was an adjunct 
at Belmont and I had him for like my senior class or whatever. That's awesome. And I remember <laughs> it was something. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot, but uh, I, I remember he said, do you think that you need to have confidence to be a, a successful musician? And I think about that a lot still. Cause at the time I, I said, no, I think there's a lot of people who are artists and they're creative and they, they don't have a lot of confidence. And what causes that confidence other than, you know, anxiety and not and feeling fear of judgment. Yeah. And like I don't now I don't think he was as wrong hmm. as I've become generally a little bit more confident, but I still don't think he was quite right. And so he was saying that he thought that you needed to have confidence to be a to be an artist huh. maybe in a certain way like i think that there's a sense jessica and i were talking this morning just about the fiona apple record and like people that had a hard time growing up you know like or like this sense of uh it's maybe easier to be bold if you know what rejection feels like and if you're used to rejection or, or like bullying or um yeah, and there's almost like this fearlessness that can come with just like putting it, putting yourself out there because you haven't ever felt accepted. Maybe that's like a coping mechanism that you're trying to find acceptance through art. And yeah, totally. I know. Yeah. I know Fiona Apple had a hard time growing up. Yeah. To oh, yeah. You hear it, especially in the latest album. Yeah. So, and I, I know a lot of people do too. I mean, I was never popular or cool in school or growing up. And uh, that I, I think that the biggest and most obvious result in that for me was I then, I since I wasn't going out to parties on Friday, Saturday nights, I was staying home and I was playing guitar and I yeah. was listening to music and I was writing and I was doing all these other things that, you know, have resulted in, in hobbies and part of my profession and that kind of came from having to build my own confidence that didn't have any anything to do really with the acceptance of other people. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel that. like there's there's something beautiful about the fact that uh, it. Um, I know for myself, I I could resonate with that, and I don't think I wouldn't change it. You know, like I'm really grateful for uh, that experience that I have and had because it created who I am now, which I wouldn't trade for something else. Right. I think the things that made us dorks or made, at least made me a dork and like high school, middle school is ultimately what is cool, cool about me now. And the people who were cool in middle school and high school, I don't know if they ever really developed hobbies, but their lives seem kind of boring to me from, from a distance, sure. like not in a mean way, but just like, I don't know. I it's not having hobbies is a weird, weird idea for me, and that just kind of bums me out. Yeah, hmm. I think I can. Here? So I, I, when Emily said like you have to have confidence to succeed, I was like immediately my gut response is like, well, no, that's nonsense. Uh, and the more I'm thinking, I'm like, well, I kind of see how someone could get to that uh, that assertion in the sense that if you're not confident, you almost have to wear that on your sleeve confidently in the sense of like, we all have to like, quote unquote, like live authentic or whatever the heck that means. 
Yeah. Uh, but to a degree, it's putting yourself out there in a confident way, whether or not what you're putting out there is confident or not in a way that allows people to connect with your story. It brings them in to that shared experience. Yeah. Make it till you make it. For sure. I think, I, yeah, fake it till you make it. I, I think too, there's <clears throat> a big difference between like a boastful confidence in oneself and a, and versus like a confidence that the work you're putting in when no one's watching is worth doing. Mm-hmm. So like, and yeah, I think there are many f- facets of, of what confidence looks like, but uh, yeah. in the times that like, you know, I think I'm like learning a bunch of Elliot Smith songs and we were discussing him this morning of just like, was he confident? Like, no, he had so much insecurity, but he was right. confident enough to press that record button and put, you know, on his eight track and like record so many beautiful songs because that was his way. He was confident enough to deal with his pain through song. That didn't mean he was, you know, a Kanye West, like, <laughs> but that's a different form of confidence. Is it confidence though? Because that kind of boastfulness always comes across to me as insecurity. Yeah. It's like, look at how right. you're saying, look at how confident I am. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just, it's like... Sort of like that narcissism. <laughs> totally. No, I think it's they're like always belligerent. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It is belligerent. And I don't think that Kanye West is not confident. I actually do think he has too much, conf- like a lot of confidence. I think there's got confidence has to also exist on a bell curve. You're talking about anxiety on a bell curve. Like his confidence is way, way to the right of uh, the bell yes. curve. But um, like, I think that just like in general, a lot of uh, other musicians that I, I've met, like I think the ones who are like unfriendly or rude, I think they're trying to portray some sort of confidence that maybe is um, compensating for, a lack of it, like where it counts. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's always, I think about that a lot when I encounter like people in the industry who are, you know, I try not to take, to like judge at face value or the first time I meet someone, you know, because oftentimes I have what some people call resting bitch face at times where it's me and my anxiety and my aloofness where I don't actually realize someone's like trying to talk to me or, like I'm just somewhere else in my head and I will have accidentally snubbed somebody. And, um, uh, so I try not to, I try to give people grace when I, when I encounter like rudeness or I just want to understand what's underneath that. What just happened there? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, that's something that they teach you in cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's just like, just cause somebody is like having a bad mood or maybe someone that you work with, like, like walks past you in the hallway and doesn't say hi, and maybe your instinct is to go, like, are they mad at me? Maybe they're mad at me. I think that they might be mad at me. And maybe they just had something else on their mind. Right, maybe yeah. they just, you know, didn't see you or something like that. And then, of course, that gets derailed when, you know, it turns out someone actually was mad at you. And you have to kind of work through that a little bit harder <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I> <laughs> for the rest of the year. I hate when people oh, are mad at me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, I was working with some people and I kept feeling like, are they mad at me? And I was just like going through therapy and I had bad depression and anxiety. And my therapist is like, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're mad at you. Are you still doing a good job? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm doing a good job. And uh, then they opted to stop working with me. I was like, so they were mad at me. They were mad at me the whole time. Instead of having a conversation about it, uh, they just let it stew. And that like that broke my heart and kind of broke me for a while. They didn't have the confidence to talk to you. 
Yeah, they didn't have the confidence to talk to me. I think that the person just wasn't, you know, not confident enough to have, like, a confrontation about it. Mm -hmm. So then the confrontation ultimately became, uh, we can't, like, we're terminating this this contract or whatever. Hmm. Autobots, roll out. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like, not to get, like, too Brene Brown over here, but... uh... I feel like there's like there's like a vulnerability thing that maybe is like at the heart of these things that to reveal who you are and what you actually mean requires you to open up in a way. And so whether it's like uh, dealing with confrontation or like boldness in presenting your art form, it's not necessarily this confidence of like, I'm so great. Look at my ideas. But it's more of just like, this is who I am. Like this is, and I'm going to present it whether or not you accept me. And I think it, sometimes a kid passes confidence. And I think there's like a deeper boldness to vulnerability that I think is like more important than what Kanye West exhibits. But like that Elliot Smith or, you know, Tom York or somebody else may exhibit through their just wanting to show who they are. Yeah, I love vulnerability. Yeah. I think an artist that kind of stands out to me in like the last decade or so in terms of like thinking in the realm of like mainstream pop, maybe a household name would be Sam Smith. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, who, definitely. You can very definitively follow their story of uh, over the last uh, – just, just by listening to their music and what that looks like. And uh, I think that's an artist in, in that realm that I've always been very fascinated and captivated by. Mm. And it's yeah. really refreshing and – comparison to other artists in the genre where you don't really feel like it just feels so generic and they're not really opening up about themselves or you're not really getting their own story you're just yeah. getting a justin timberlake a wear a suit and tie cool like i don't yeah. connect yeah. I, mean, I mean sometimes you connect with that like sometimes you feel boastful sometimes you feel like exuding that and there is a time and place for that but i i mean vulnerability is just more my my wavelength but at the same time like i've had i had a meeting with a publisher in nashville once when i was doing that kind of thing and he just straight up told me that he thought my songs were too vulnerable and no like female country singer would ever want to sing a song that made them seem so vulnerable huh i was like i was like well maybe this is not the right industry huh. for me yeah. <laughs> casey musgraves must have not existed yet <laughs> oh it was such like crap i mean like there were there i mean god like i yeah did not exist yet um really it was kind of like 2010 ish probably oh 2010 wow that was 10 years ago yeah a lot's changed i think i mean look at some of the biggest records of like the last 10 years i think of um oh my gosh why am i blinking on his oh, also Kendrick, country music Kendrick Lamar like oh yes has you know two of the best records of the last decade uh and like he's singing like ain't nobody praying for me like oh and he yeah. repeats that over and over again and he and it's so thematic like uh he he nails those themes and like yeah I don't I, and in country music I feel like across the board I mean it's rad I love it yeah oh especially what the Especially what the women are doing. I mean, this was also before like Jason Isbell was was famous again. Yeah. Like this was yeah. kind of when his weird period between uh, the drive by truckers and him having a lot of success there, and mm-hmm. like his first couple solo records, which just didn't land, and then him getting sober and just becoming like what he is right now. Totally. Like, and 
like I oh, and the women in country music I think are doing great, but I think part of what that publisher said to me boils down to the fact that country radio hates women, mm-hmm. and I feel pretty confident saying hates women. Yeah. Hmm. So that's that. I think that's that's an added problem because I think a lot of the vulnerability, like it's almost more okay for the men to be vulnerable because then the woman is taking care of them and and the idea that like the female listeners like they like vulnerability in a man right but that for some reason that doesn't work with women in both the opposite way in the same way Hmm. that makes sense that is interesting and unfortunate (laughs) that's nashville sometimes i feel like (laughs) almost begs the question of like does it actually not work or is that just what the the execs think doesn't work. No, that's what the execs think. Sure, that's what yeah, the radio yeah. thinks because like you look at like things like tour revenues and you look at uh, reviews and you look at Casey Musgraves winning like album of the year at the Grammys mm-hmm. and she can't get played on country radio. That's crazy. Sometimes I fear that that still exists and, you know, know that that still exists in like uh, indie rock or rock music as well, you know, where it's easier to think that you're going to be successful as a woman if you're more like St. Vincent, where you are emotionally veiled, but you're more of like this kind of like cool superhero, not to like down talk her because she's great. But I think that uh, there's this perception of women that you need to be a, a, of a particular ilk to actually be successful, but like the, getting to the heart of things or like revealing who you actually are is still really difficult to do because it's not hugely accepted. I mean, you have like Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus like doing their thing, but yeah, you're right; they haven't reached nearly the same sphere as Saint Vincent. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it is helpful because you have people like Lizzo, you know, that mm. like you know, were, or uh, what's um, Solange? Solange, or uh, who was the one that won all the Grammys this year? Billie oh. Eilish. Billie Eilish. Yeah, yeah, like they're. Oh, yeah. I think things are moving and they're progressing in a good way. And I think we're just starting to develop the language for certain things and to like actually understand some semblance of. Uh, that was a lot of sibilance, by the way. Um, some <laughs> semblance of uh, equality or progress. That I think, yeah, we're we're just beginning. Mm-hmm. I guess we should probably try to pull the vulnerability conversation back to to the stay home stems because like even just from from me submitting some things like it is vulnerable like you 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 have to be vulnerable i think to um submit your music to people and then maybe see what they think about it just in general i think like you are asking for vulnerability because it's like it's out of your hands it's something that's very close to your heart probably and uh you have to see how people are going to you you don't know how people are going to respond to it at first we're Mm -hmm. asking people to share themselves which is by yeah by nature very vulnerable yeah and i just uh it really makes me happy that so many people seem to have like the confidence to to do it at all i mean I, 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 I'm very happy that you, you all said that you enjoyed what I sent, but like, I, you know, I haven't done this in a while. Like I haven't really written stuff on my own in a while past like two minute thing, like two minute little build a loop and see where it goes kinds of things. So it's new for me. It is a muscle that I'm stretching and, you know, I think it is helping, you know, 
my confidence a little bit and to be able to, to do something and think that it's, you know, worthy of even just giving it a go. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I, I, I hope that I feel like creativity is infectious too. When you see others going for it, I'm like, Oh, okay. I can do yeah. that. So I, I think that's one of the beauty, beautiful things about stay home stems too. Cause we're all in it together. When I see people create, I usually either also want to create, or if it's really, really, really good, I just want to quit. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt yesterday when I heard the Fiona record. I was like, oh. I'm done. Yeah, I'm never doing that. <laughs> and the, like, oh. There's like a weird special medium uh, place too, though, that uh, I feel like Deerhoof for me. Uh, they hit this weird place of it totally discourages me when I see them live just because it's just like this feels like Christmas and it feels like they're just bestowing us all with gifts and I will never be able to do this, but I really want to and I want to step into this. Like it, like I always feel like quitting, but also like going right home and playing the drum. Practicing. Yeah. yeah. That, that's ultimately what it is. Like I say I want to quit, but then like I'm like – Every time I see the hold steady and I see Steve Selvage and Tad Kubler up there, I'm like, I just want to go home and I want to listen to the record and I want to learn it. Yeah. And that's what I love about practicing. I think, did one of you tweet about this? Yeah. Yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that is how I feel about it. And that's what I've always had trouble because what I love most about music is like, you sit down and you're like, I can't do this thing. And then you try it and you do it and you do it and you do it and you're like, Oh, that was easy. Yeah. Like not like even if it wasn't easy, I, I have like I'm the kind of person where I'm like, oh, that's impossibly good. I can never do that. And then once I can do it, I'm like anybody can do that. Yeah, totally. Mm. And I think it's yeah. like it's one thing that's unfortunate about growing older and becoming an adult is that you have to portray being good at things more and more. Whereas like being a kid, all you know how to do is kind of suck at things. And so like you just like constantly suck and that's why you get better at things. Cause you, that's all you know how to do. Like, and so you could learn new languages. You could learn new instruments. You could learn, you know, geometry because you're okay with sucking. But we're, as adults, like we're just so used to trying to present the fact that we know what we're doing. And so like, I feel like we need to get back to sucking. Yeah, that's that's hard for me. It's like sitting down at like a pedal steel and being like really frustrated for two hours. Yeah. Versus, you know, I've played guitar since for twenty two years. Like, it's still there's hard things in it. I can't do everything I even want to do, but I always know that I can go back and play a couple chords and feel good about it again. Yeah, totally. I feel like that's why we like subconsciously with the, the song that we wrote on the first week of stay home stems was stop pretending. And it was either going to be stop pretending or uh, our love is dangerous. And I chose stop pretending instead. And I think like partially because maybe I didn't quite understand it at the time, but I was just like, okay, now's the time that we really get to see ourselves and who we are and what we're going to be about. Like over these next few weeks, months, whatever, what kind of things we want to add to our lives. Um, like, okay, I'm going to take the chance and release the song that I mixed that we would never do that. Like we have a full record ready to go. And it's been since 2016, since we've released a record, I had no plans of releasing another single before this record came out. And, uh, and so I think stop pretending is about being a kid again too. Nice. Yeah. I like that. So, um, 
I just I did want to ask like what what sort of trends have you noticed in the, the submissions you've been getting for stay home stems? Hmm. I I know one week you said that you noticed a lot more instrumental. Yeah, that was the week that I created the beat, the uh, the electronic beat. I think people got a little more like experimental on that one, and also yeah. it was the third week in where. It kind no, of that was the second week. Or was it? Yeah, it, last yeah, week. That's last right. week was kind of like a spoken word week. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I've noticed a couple of trends of either people go really guitar forward with it or uh they get really weird which is awesome. <laughs> I love both. Yeah. And like, there's this one guy, John Shork, who has ever, all of his submissions are like, I don't even know how the hell he mangles, like what we're doing or what processing he's doing to the stuff, but it's so rad. And he'll do like nice. very bizarre, like string arrangements or like the beat will be in halftime and it has like just it's drenched in reverb. And it sounds like a John Moss kind of song or something like that, but it's pretty sweet. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, we're we're closing in on an hour, so it might be a, a good time to just wrap it up because we, we, we know y'all are busy. Yeah. We want to be respectful of your time. Um, so, Andrew, do you have any, any closing thoughts? I, I've got so many thoughts bouncing around in my head. This has been a really wholesome discussion. I've, I guess if I have any thoughts to share, it's just I really appreciated this having you both on the show. It was, oh, thanks we, for having we've us. We've loved it. Yeah. Um, and if people want to uh, participate in the Stay Home STEMs, how can they do that? Yeah, you can just go to our website, which is www.thedeepseadiver.com. And there is a tab that says Stay Home STEMs on it. And it will give you all the information you need. There's new, we do this weekly. So you have on Monday, every Monday by 1 p.m., the STEMs will be in the folder from the link that you'll find there. And it, there's also a guidelines sheet that you should read that helps gives you all the information you need. And submissions are due every Saturday by midnight. Pacific time. Yep. Or it doesn't really. I mean, <laughs> as long as we wake up to your submissions, cool. If you want to send it at 3 a.m., I don't care. You just let out our big secret. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. But yeah, real quick, like some of the trends we're seeing, like it's beginning to be really fun to see who's doing it over and over and to see their musical voice and how it's like uh, seeing how it's unified week to week and like some people are just like blowing our minds every week. So I really look forward to uh, getting submissions from them and realizing that there are a lot more uh, – uh, There's a lot of people that we want to collaborate with just hearing their submissions. Yeah. We're just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, we should have them come in the studio with us next time for this song or whatever. But yeah. it's really awesome. Realizing that people are way more prolific than us because we did one the first week and then we've been just kind of like tripping up the weeks following up because it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Do we have anything creative? I don't know. And so, yeah, realizing that people are doing it week after week and we're like, holy crap, I wish I could be more like them. <laughs> yeah, it's inspiring. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you, you want to say to the people before we, we scoot? Yeah. Do the stems with us. Stay home and make stems or download the stems and then make your own music. Um, that yeah. and keep your eyes peeled for some really exciting news coming up from us 
in the next month. Nice. Yeah. And, awesome. and hang out with us on our live stream if you feel oh, like live streaming. It's so fun. And it gets dorky and weird and serious and all the things. And it's at Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time. On Instagram. It, it, it is like a TV show. It does have segments. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think I... I uh, so- I have ADD, and so it kind of helps. Uh, <laughs> Scoots the process. Yeah. Along. Like once I start getting bored, I just kind of imagine other people are too. <laughs> nice. Uh, cool. Well, um, if you're listening to the podcast, again, that's uh, thedeepseadiver.com. Um, if you could please leave a rating and review of this podcast, uh, it really helps us in the rankings. Click subscribe if, wherever you're listening. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash get offset. If you like this podcast and want to help us out at all doing it, it's actually not free for us to do um, between web hosting and the tools that we use and the time. We really appreciate any help that you can give us. We also have merch at getoffset.com slash shop, including uh, for fuzz sake hats and shirts as designed by our own Andrew Renard. Nice. So I want sweet. one check it out <laughs> yeah check it out um uh hit me up and i'll hook you up in some sort of way uh but uh until next time i'm emily i'm andrew i'm jessica <laughs> and i'm peter <laughs> goodbye Bye. 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 Two, three, four.